This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. When you learn about someone, it's after they've already gone through all the failures. You didn't see however many years of toiling before that. The easiest way to think about it for me is, am I tired of this or is the audience tired of this? They're not the same thing, are they? No. Doing that prop stuff, it just reminds me of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse vibe, where it's like, I'm this like weird math Mary Poppins like pulling props out of my magic purse, basically. I've worked with a lot of people in different capacities over the years, and it is much easier to work with somebody who is good at one thing than somebody who is good at seven things. There simply are too many options. But that's how this stuff works. You do things that you think are good, and then you just kind of relax and, and see how it plays out. And then the worst thing that's happened is you had a nice time at a museum exhibit. Hey, welcome to The Create Unknown, the home of Make Something, Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. We're going to talk a little bit about Vsauce 2 stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule here for The Create Unknown. And to do that with me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah, we've got good news and bad news. Which one, Kevin, which one do we do we want to do first? Bad news. Let's just pull off the band-aid. Yeah. Okay. Rip it. Okay. The bad news is that um one of our coworkers has died. What? Uh well, yeah, I, Bob Saget's podcast was on the Studio 71 network. Oh. So we have to consider him a coworker and a peer, and this week we we lost Bob Saget, didn't we? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. And I loved Full House, unabashedly just watched <laughs> Full House. It was such a part of my childhood growing up and in, in syndication, watching those stupid but like somehow addictively entertaining episodes over and over and over again. And then it was such a revelation to find out like later in life that the like the beacon of kind of wholesomeness as a child, Bob Saget, you know, Danny Tanner was actually an incredibly <laughs> raunchy and like dark, dark humored, depraved comedian. That was yes. so funny to learn later in life. Well, I, I suppose the house is a little less full today, isn't it? And I, I bet there are Twitter threads where there are like suburban moms uh, writing these tributes. It's like poetry that's like, you know, describing the empty bedroom in the full house. These maudlin 
Bob Saget tributes. They yeah, must exist. But 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 meanwhile, you know, conversely, there are probably some people with six sets, six senses of humor making like horrible jokes about it. And that's yeah. actually where Bob Saget likes to play is <laughs> in, you know, like the aristocrats. Uh, like if you've yes. never seen that documentary, the aristocrats. I remember him in that. Yeah. Give that a spin if you want to, you know, have your eyes opened a little bit about, about Bob Saget's nature. You know, that was one of the best parts, if not the best part of that documentary. The best part. Yeah. Yeah. And his roast was great. You know, we talked about Norm Macdonald earlier in the year, and that was uh, that was Bob Saget's roast that that Norm did all of those absolutely horrendous jokes out of that old timey <laughs> joke book. So, yeah, man, Bob Saget was great. Well, he was great. Um, and, you know, he will be missed. And And yes, I forgot that he was on the Studio 71 network and in the family along with us. So we were part of his full house, you know, later on in life, which is kind of strange. <laughs> That's right. We <laughs> we lived under the stairs like Harry Potter did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got locked in there with a, a, a couple of microphones. <laughs> I know. He didn't even know we were down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Bob Saget is looking down on us now, listening to this, thinking, who are these people and how did any of this happen? Yeah. You well, know nothing about it. I will say that, that, that when we did notice that he was on the same network as us, there was, a, a, you know, a long shot dream of mine that we would have him on TCU. Obviously, that won't yeah. be possible now, but, you know, obviously Ugh. best wishes and stuff to, to his friends and family because it came as a shock. It was it's not like he yes, was. He's, sick or anything no he wasn't no he wasn't elderly by any means maybe that's our pitch now when there's somebody who we don't have a personal connection to you know you you can't shoot him a twitter dm and ask it's a a cold call maybe that's our pitch is look we want you on this show before you you (laughs) surprisingly die yeah look you can drop dead any moment and we need to Record your your brilliant insights into, you know, being being a creator before that occurs. So you better fill out our booking form right now. (laughs) But well, yeah, so that was that was the bad news for the week. I just wanted to to acknowledge that because we have we've talked about him in several different ways. You know, I remember when Mm -hmm. you went through the the whole thing about, um, you know, America's Funniest Video as being a significant shift like the precursor to youtube kind of thing yeah uh so he's come up a few times and Mm -hmm. uh when that news dropped yeah like you said it was it was out of nowhere and it was like well that 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 sucks all around yeah yeah it does right after uh betty white as well which we who we just had in a vsauce 2 video uh, I mean, not literally, the but comments. Yeah. The <laughs> comments are still rolling in where, you know, now it, the people see the picture and, and it's just like floods of RIP Betty comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we do have good news. Oh, okay. What's the good we news? We have a lot of good news. Put the bandaid back on. Uh, a trem- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a lot of good news and it's the upcoming schedule. Um, we we are on Tuesdays for all of these, but we can tell you right now, we can tell you the next five, five episodes of The Create Unknown, and it will be five interview formats with guests. Uh, next Tuesday, the 18th, is Brendan Colfield, uh, who did the music for Smiling Friends. And I'm excited for that because the process of making music that fits somebody else's thing is is pretty unique. Oh, um, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. As well as uh, the music for YOLO, Crystal Fantasy, Michael Cusack's other Cartoon Network show. So, you know, they're longtime collaborators. And, yeah, it will be great. I have so many questions about the Smiling Friends uh, (laughs) little ditties that are in there, as well as, you know, just the, the general music. So that will be awesome. Well, if Brendan doesn't answer those on January 18th, then you can ask Psychic Pebbles and Michael Cusack on the 25th as they come in to talk about smiling friends. Yeah, no, that this is this is no surprise. This is a long time coming. It was just a matter of when yeah. is smiling friends going to come out and then we can <laughs> have you guys on the show to talk about it. So smiling <laughs> friends has come out. It's all out. You know, it dropped uh, earlier this month in full the whole season one. So yeah. uh, as soon as that occurred, I talked to Zach. We got him on the schedule. And uh, yeah, the 25th, him and Michael will join us. Yes. And the three weeks after that, we have Gabriel Brown on uh, February 1st. Then I Did a Thing is on the 8th. And Alternate History Hub has uh, rescheduled to February 15th. Uh, so uh, we that's really a, a Valentine's Day date, isn't it? It is. It's pretty close. Yeah. We'll come up with what ifs <laughs> surrounding yeah. love, Valentine's Day. <laughs> He, he may be surprised to learn that we're considering this a Valentine's date, but but that'll just add to the fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so to reiterate, uh, the next five, we've got Brendan Caulfield, Pebbles and Cusack, Gabriel Brown, I Did a Thing, an Alternate History Hub, and there are a couple more that we were talking about this morning that that we're uh, sorting bookings out. So we're in... We're really rolling here uh, through into March with a pretty good lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for everybody. I think it's a varied lineup. You know, it's creators who kind of all do different things aside from the two straight weeks of Smiling Friends uh, stuff, which I'm... Different angles on Smiling Friends. So, I mean, completely different. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially, you know, talking to Brendan next week, I just want to know what it's like that process of making music for a show. We've never had the opportunity to speak with somebody who does that. So that will be really, really awesome. And I know that the people who make music, who listen to the show are going to be excited for that one. But um, today we're going to do a little Vsauce 2 talk because we have yet to actually discuss the format change that happened on the channel, uh, why the switch, uh, why we're excited about it. And, and that sort of thing, because um, I think to, to some people, it seems like a major shift to us. It really kind of seems like a tweak, like a little turn of a dial rather than, yep. you know, a U-turn or anything like that. Yeah. And I do think that uh, it's really broadly uh, applicable to uh, the projects that everybody else does. Like when we talk about a switch, it's not like one day. It's like, okay, let's just make a a completely different video and Monday that's out. No, it it really has been at least, well, would you say a six month process? Is that about right? Where, you know, it had to be a a long-term plan kind of thing. And that, that's, that's the way this stuff evolves. Uh, There's a mix of immediate and short-term and weathering the storm from the changes and then, then coming out on the other end of it. Uh, And that's kind of what happens with whatever whatever projects you do. So we, we do talk about things like evolving content and art over time, but this is an example of uh, how it actually happens. And th- there were a couple bumps uh, to get there. Uh, and that's, uh, that's very realistic 
You know, we, we talk to people about their tremendous successes and it sounds really clean almost all the time. It's like I did something cool and people liked it. And so now I'm a success. Well, <laughs> that's the one line version. Yeah, uh, it's quite a bit bumpier. And this is a great opportunity to hit those pieces. You know, I'm glad that you said that because that's such a big thing for me. And I, I don't know what this this concept or this term is. Maybe there should be one. Maybe we'll have to make it up. But for the most part, when you see when you learn about someone, it's it's after they've already gone through all the failures. They've already gone through yeah. all of the, the hiccups and the missteps and like the bad ideas and the things everybody hated. And now you've heard of them once they have you know, X number of subscribers or followers or whatever it is, or they, you know, they have their Netflix special or whatever. Well, you didn't see like however many years of toiling before that, you know, we had Jose Arroyo on who's an Emmy award winning comedy writer talking about just faxing jokes to Jay Leno for how many years and at 10 years, at least he said, where he wasn't getting paid a dime. It was just working on trying to yeah. become a joke writer professionally. And nobody sees that. They see the end result and they think, oh, that person is so lucky or, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. well, maybe there certainly is an element of right time and right place to anything. But more often than not, they are some kind of ridiculous workaholic who just never gave up and were pers persistent through all of that failure and eventually came out on the other side. And now you're seeing what it looks like on the other side. And that, that success is like the thing that is all you see about that person. Yeah. And the really interesting thing about this process is that from the person making the thing, you don't, you, you usually don't know what's happening until after it's happened. So uh, like that that rough patch thing and when you're in the middle of it, it it's not clear exactly what's wrong or why or why it's you know uh, how like the specific ways that it's rough once you're through it you can look back and say here's what happened and that's that's why we're doing this now because we've hit the point where we can look back and and know <laughs> in a way that that you kind of can't know when you're in the middle of it um if you're doing something new and the audience is adjusting to it and there are positive comments and there are negative comments, you got to have some time for that to settle, to find out what really matters, uh, to, to see what it all adds up to. And you've got to have some distance and perspective on that kind of thing. And I liken this to when you write something, when you write it, it seems very good because that's the thought you just had. I mean, it, of course it's good. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't look at it for a few days and then you come back, you're like, all right, well, that's that's a dumb word. <laughs> that's right. a sentence that doesn't need to be there. Like this paragraph is twice as long as it needs to be. This tangent shouldn't shouldn't be a part of it. Or, you know, wow, I skipped over this whole thing and it really needs to have a page all on its own. Mm -hmm. um, you don't notice that. You don't have a clear perspective until you have distance. And we finally have enough distance from this format switch to look back at the beginning of it and and have a sense of what happened. Yeah, and I just wanted to shout out a creator real quick because, you know, there's this 10-year challenge thing going around, this trending thing where you show your a, a photograph mm, of yourself yeah. from 10 years ago and then one now and you put them side by side and you're like, wow, look at how old I am now or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. 
there's a creator who does cosplay, and I don't know how to pronounce the name of it. It's it's K M U I Cam Camwe okay. Cammy. I don't know, but it's this this couple Svetlana and Benny, and they do the most ridiculous cosplay you will ever see. They spend an insane amount of time custom crafting every bit of whatever like video game armor or whatever it is that they're cosplaying they're creating anyway uh svetlana like during this 10-year challenge thing recently posted a side-by-side comparison of a cosplay that she did i actually think it was more than 10 years ago if i'm remembering it correctly it was 2003 so we're talking near nearly 20 years ago maybe i'm wrong and maybe it was 2013 but anyway regardless the the point is that cosplay she did was very basic it was like it was it was cute i'm sure she was extremely happy with it and proud of herself at the time but mm-hmm. when you're sticking this thing side by side with the stuff she's doing today which she's famous for today it's night and day you wouldn't even think it was the same person you're like wait what you know, it's like yeah. seeing some sort of master painter and then like 20 years ago, they all they could do was stick figure drawings. And you're like, what? How is that? <laughs> how does that make sense? Couldn't you always be amazing and perfect? And the answer is no, no, hmm. no. You couldn't always be amazing and perfect. Nothing works like that. So, no. Um, well, I, I want to know. I, I'm actually curious to know this myself, uh, but anybody listening definitely doesn't know because they're not, they're not you. Uh, what was the very, very beginning of, of a content switch of changing things up? When did you begin to think something has to be in a different style here? There's a lot that goes into it because I've done it so many times over the years, um, Uh changed formats and changed content and created new shows and kind of shelved other shows. The, the easiest way to think about it for me is is, you know, uh, am, am, am I tired of this or is the audience tired of this? Uh, they're not the same thing, are they? No, they're not the same thing, but they're both equally valid ways of thinking about the stuff that you're making. Um, yeah. Because no matter what you're making and no matter how popular it is at one time, that popularity fades. Like, I don't care what you're doing, you know, like... One of the only things I was thinking about this recently that has stood the test of time for some reason, and I'd love to get either Lloyd or Peter on the show, is Epic Rap Battles of History is Mm, still popular. Like they still, and maybe it's because they release them so infrequently that... It's an event when one comes out. Right. You have time to forget about it and then it comes back and you're like, oh, this is... and And the quality is is still so ridiculously good. The writing and everything is, you know, genius that it stands the test of time. But look, most things aren't epic rap battles of history. Most things in year four, let alone year nine, people are like, yeah, I like that. Um, I like other things now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's just how human nature is. Yeah, it's like music or fashion where things change subtly. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not... There's not like you think of what people are wearing. There's not a tremendous shift between 2020 and now, but there are a bunch of little subtle shifts. You know, some some brands aren't uh, uh, 
everywhere the way they were then. You know, I think of things like uh, like I see fewer tweets of people wearing Supreme shirts. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Supreme has fallen off. It's not that. But uh, it's it's just uh, occupies a, a subtly different place uh, than than it probably does. You know, today, uh, you know, it did a few years ago. It was, you know, I think of rice gum. Uh, like trying to get Supreme drops <laughs> years ago and, you know, <laughs> dunking on people waiting in line for, for shirts and stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, like it's, it's a slow evolution like that. And uh... so there's a math proof that's made the rounds for decades. It shows how one equals two. You start with A times B equals A squared and seven steps later, you've got one equals two. Well, on the surface, the whole progression is pretty compelling, but there is a subtle flaw in the process, and you really only see that problem when you've actually done it yourself. This is the kind of interactive experience that Brilliant.org provides in its courses. It's not some YouTuber telling you about a thing, it's you doing the thing in a very well-structured way. Hit the number theory course or the physics of the everyday, pop into vector calculus or cryptocurrency. There is a ton to choose from. I like the math history course because it's got a bit of math and it's got a bit of the humanities. I like the stories behind the numbers. Scan over what they've got and something is going to grab you. You can get started learning on Brilliant for free and the first 200 people to sign up through brilliant.org slash create unknown will also get 20% off an annual premium membership. Click it, check out the options and get started because that's free. And if you want to go premium, 20% off with brilliant.org slash create unknown. It's a new year. Start learning something. Start mastering something. We talk about make something mean something. Do that in your mind with Brilliant. Brilliant.org slash create unknown. Links down below. In this case, with you, was it? did you feel like it was you or the audience who needed something different? I think this was the rare instance in or which both. it felt like a little bit of both. Yeah, it did yeah. feel like a little bit of both. One thing that I'll say that um, I didn't realize, it took me a long time to realize when it comes to the type of content that we were producing on Vsauce 2 is that when you make content specifically about conceptual ideas that are intrinsically confusing, it's going to confuse a lot of people and they're not going (laughs) to like that, you know? (laughs) Only a portion of people like it. You know, and the portion of people who like it really love it. Those are people like, look, there are people who enjoy doing crossword puzzles and people who hate it. Right. And the percentage of people who like crossword puzzles is very small. Now, they're extremely loyal. Like I have known people who a routine part of their life is like the first thing they do is grab coffee and hit the New York Times crossword puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like, but what percentage of people is that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, point something um, and you got to you got to do a little better than that. You know, it's got to you got to interest a few more people. So I think that was a good observation that churning problems all the time, all the time is is tough to sustain for more than than a real tight niche. Yeah. And when it really hit me was actually there was a comment that I think was posted on the Vsauce 2 Reddit. So you could probably okay. just go there and look at it right now, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was something along the lines of essentially like, hey, Kevin, I used to really hate you and your videos were annoying to me because I always thought you were, I'm paraphrasing here, but but this is how I remember it. 
you know, I, I thought you were wrong all the time and I didn't understand what you were talking about. Um, but you know, now I get it and I really like your videos. Well, how many people <laughs> just stayed with like part one of that story <laughs> with it, which is, yeah. this is too confusing. You're annoying. You don't explain it well enough. I'm out of here. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> it seems like not a lot of people made it to step two, which was coming around and thinking, oh, actually, I re actually really like these and I get, I get these videos now. So I was like, maybe continuing down this path is not only alienating people, mm -hmm. but almost like actively, I don't know, like I don't want to make people feel confused or like they don't understand something. That's mm -hmm. the opposite of what I've always been interested in, which is really making people excited about things and not frustrated by them. Yeah. And there's a blend there too, because, uh, <sighs> There's got to be an element of accessibility so that so that it doesn't feel like a club you have to work to join. Mm -hmm. You know, you 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 pay your mental dues to be able to enjoy a YouTube channel. That's again, that's something that a couple people are really into and most are not. Uh, that's hard. But at the same time, if it's like too easily accessible in the sense that it's not interesting enough it's not challenging enough, then you've missed in the other direction. And there were a couple videos that that hit uh, really interesting, weird questions that probably probably went too far on, you know, the pendulum swung too far the other way on that. You know, and the toothpaste sandwich video and uh, lightning killing fish and things like that, like that, that may have been too far on the other side. So I think that was the question is how do you how do you hit that balance with content and keep it something that fits with with 10 years of of a channel? Well, and here here is another really important like structural difference that I see between the paradox videos and the math game videos and these crime analysis videos. And that's with the with the paradox videos and, and the math game videos, we were always trying to craft a c conclusion that essentially summed up and crystallized why this conceptual problem is important and how it relates to your real life. Always. Yeah, why it mattered. That was the big question, wasn't it? Was Why does this okay, matter? Okay, here's, yeah, here's the problem, here's the story, whatever. At the end of it, how... Who cares? How this, yeah, who cares? <laughs> who, cares? who cares? That's exactly it. Yep. Why did yep. you spend like eight minutes talking about these envelopes? Who cares? <laughs> and yeah, and uh, and I feel like we always did, you know, an admirable enough job at defining why you should care. But mm -hmm. the order of operations there is backwards. Okay, you got to get there, don't you? You yeah. have to get. You have to slog through the thing that you probably are thinking. Why should I bother thinking about this to get right. to a, a an answer as to why you should think about it? It's like backwards. Yep. So yep. what these crime analysis videos do organically and subconsciously is they start with the who cares. They The who cares is baked in because you're telling a story, a real life story that has actual consequences for human beings and then discussing, you know, an analysis of fingerprints or handwriting or you know, right. the prob the probability of 
people with certain intrinsic attributes committing a crime or not. It's it's the right structure for talking about these things. And the old structure, yeah. I think, was backwards. Yeah, it, th- that old structure is really awesome in in certain ways and for certain people. So think about reading a book. You have to have a book be that structure for the most part. It can't it can't be awesome with the big reveal on chapter three. The hell's the point of that? You know, like, why are you going to read uh, 250 pages when on page 47, the explosion has happened? You know, Mm -hmm. like you've you've got to build up to it. But the ending of something like a book is the big who cares? Why does this matter reveal? Um, But when somebody is picking up a book and starting to read it, they've consciously made the decision. They know how thick this book is. They know how fast they read. And it's like, all right, I'm going to devote 12 hours to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've made the decision that provided this isn't terrible as I read it, I'm comfortable giving 12 hours to this to get to the end. That's mm-hmm. not how that's not how YouTube videos tend to work, especially now. Um, nobody clicks on a, an 18 minute video thinking if all goes well, I'm definitely going to get to the end of this. No, they want to watch it. And when they're bored of watching it and they don't want to, they will click any of the uh, thousand other things on their screen begging them to be clicked mm-hmm. or they'll just plain leave YouTube. I mean, there's so many options. So that that structure, I think I think it was right to push that back and have a, a more front loaded thing where the stakes are obvious, where when it's something like uh, a crime you have to lead by saying, you know, hey, here's a person who's dead and somebody's in jail for it. Mm-hmm. Or uh, here's a, a life altering case of fraud. Uh, somebody did it. Are they going to pay for that? Are they, are they going to, uh, you know, totally get away with it? I, whatever. You know, there's a problem and there's some resolution or non resolution of that problem. And both of those things matter. And that has to come pretty close to the beginning. Uh, so that's just a, just a better fit, a better fit for 10 minutes of, of video. It is. And I think it's a better fit for, for most people. You know, I think that I, uh, I always had a hard time sending certain Vsauce 2 videos to friends and family because I'm like, are, are they really going to want to devote, you know, 15 minutes to some, some conceptual, like expected value problem about like two boxes that and, and and a genie decides which one is the has money in it <laughs> you know it's like i think that's really neat and we made those videos and a lot of those videos and um i'm proud of those videos and i think that they were fun to do for sure you know one of the things that i really actually miss about those videos that haven't yet been as featured in the crime analysis videos is just coming up with like props and demonstrations and and that sort of thing. That was kind of like a a neat, weird element to making a video (laughs) that me being a weirdo, it really enjoyed like, okay, how am I going to make some sort of visual uh, representation of Conway's soldiers? Okay. I got to get this cord and here are some checkers and I got to, you know, create this grid. And there was like a little bit of, I don't know, like (laughs) arts and crafts involved. I mean, look, my wife making the uh, balloon Kevin for me to shoot 
for yeah, the yeah. Russian roulette video with like the needle dart. Like that was just fun. That was just fun. Yoda puppet. Yoda puppet was a big one. <laughs> yeah. Your Yoda puppet. I, I think we should mention <laughs> that was not mine. That was your Yoda puppet that you already had. And it was your oh, idea yeah. to, to, to have me use it in the video. And people still comment about uh, Yoda dying in that video and how much they enjoyed that because <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> I remember uh, when that video got published, that's, that was our question is like, are people going to find this Yoda death scene funny or are they going to unsubscribe by the tens of thousands? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it seemed like a coin flip. Oh, some people hated it. A couple of people really hated that. Yeah. That scene. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a coin flip, but it was one of those rare instances (laughs) where like, yeah, we're going to do something we think is funny. And just roll with it and hope that there are other people as stupid as we are that also think this like really way too drawn out death scene of Yoda for losing a game of dots or sprouts is is (laughs) as funny as we think it is. And luckily some people did. But um, yeah, the best thing is that uh, my brother had that that puppet when it came out and and really, you know, he thought it was awesome and he would make it talk. And then his voice with it is just impeccable. It's so, so spot good. on. Uh, yeah. And and it, you know, it's cheaply made like uh, latex infused with God knows what. Uh, so it wasn't built to really age well, you know, and it came out with uh, the prequels. So it's 20 years old, uh, give or take. Uh, and so his disintegrated over time. And I, I managed to get, uh, to get a replacement. And so <laughs> when that video came out, it was just awesome to send him the, the link to it. It's be like, you're not going to believe <laughs> what's in this video. <laughs> yeah. But, but Matt, one of the funniest things about that is that what's one of the best performing Vsauce 2 videos. So, so many people have seen that. <laughs> like, it's not like that was some video that performed poorly. Like that video, no. let, let me look it up real quick to see how many views it's at. But I think it's over a couple of million, three and a half million. So yeah, three and a half like, million people have seen that stupid Yoda death. even now, a couple thousand people a day are watching Yoda die. Yeah. Uh, for the foreseeable oh, future awesome. as well. It's not going away. <laughs> <laughs> it will be, dude, it will be relevant in 35 years. That video, that video on Sprouts, like it's not, there's no shelf life. It's evergreen as it comes. <sighs> so good. Well, factoring in all this stuff, though, is that's really what the discussions were like, figuring out what to do next. You know, talking about all of all of these elements and what worked and what didn't. But also, it's really important you saying that you liked to do certain things. I don't think a lot of people admit that where they have to choose something that that they don't hate doing. And I think there were a bunch of formats and there continue to be a bunch of formats that would perform really well on the Vsauce 2 channel. Um, You don't want to do them. I don't want to help with them (laughs) (laughs) for, you know, all sorts of logistical reasons. We don't want to deal with it. So there are a lot of on paper viable options that in reality really suck bad. And you had to go through that process of what do I want to do that people are going to like that also uh, makes me want to get up before noon 
That's that's true. And there's such a wide array. And we're going to, you know, talk to such a wide array array of of creators coming up who do run that gamut from Caulfield, who makes the music to, you know, Alternate History Hub, who has animations. Yeah. And um, Gabriel Brown, who does all sorts of impressions and, and music and singing. So, you know, the options are almost limitless for, for me and doing that prop stuff. It just reminds me of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse vibe that mm. I, I like that Pee Wee's Playhouse vibe where it's like I'm this like weird math Mary Poppins like pulling props out of my <laughs> magic purse, basically, um, whether it's those uh, gosh, those roulette wheels for Perondo's Paradox, yeah. like figuring that out um, or like the homemade dice for uh, Efren's dice. There, there are so many examples of that. I, I, I just like that. And I, and I hope that we can uh, figure out little places for that to happen again in the crime analysis videos. Uh, there, there, will, there is one that will come out next that I did just order some props for. So I am, you know, a little excited to get those props tomorrow and start figuring out exactly how I'm going to demonstrate what needs to be demonstrated visually in this next video but to me that that's kind of like you know what does kevin like to do in his videos at this point and it is that sort of like visualizing things in, with kind of cheap objects rather than animation or stock footage or whatever it is that other people use skits i don't really do any of that i like i like kind of like the the toys element of it which i don't think a lot of other people really do no, no. And the, you know, the other thing that, that you seem to have a, a real intense interest in is the, the human understanding element of a topic. And that goes back to all the videos that were, you know, specifically about understanding the human experience, really, uh, that combined with, with that quirky proppiness, uh, and, and good stories and, and things that, that fit you. And I wanted to say this when we were talking about about options. Uh, I, I've worked with a lot of people in different capacities over the years, and it is much easier to work with somebody who is good at one thing than somebody who is good at seven things. There simply are too many options. It's when there's like a buffet of talent. And for both better and worse, Kevin, you can do a lot of things. If, I don't know, let's say your talent was like juggling. Okay, you have a YouTube channel where you juggle different things and make compelling juggling content. At no point does it come up that you would do something else because you are a juggler. End of mm -hmm. story. Uh, it's harder when you have a lot to choose from. Uh, you can do a lot of things and have just a really broad skill set. What do they, they say? Talent stack now? Is that the term? Mm. I don't know. Um, but, but I meant that kind of anything is on the table. So each idea, we would talk about that. It's like, all right, here's, uh, the good parts about this, the bad parts, the things that are a pain in the ass, the things that are exciting to do. Uh, and that analysis is really hard. It takes a lot of time to sift through and think about all of those options. Um, you know, the way you just detailed, uh, the element of, of having a, a demo in a fun way that, that really nobody else could do. Well, how do you keep parts of that and attach it to a new idea and still have it fit? Uh, that's that's really tough. 
it's hard. Uh, and a lot of the people in like in the discord, we, we see them talk every day and they talk about the things they do. Um, most of the people in this community are a lot closer to you than my fake juggler example, where they're competent in several areas. They're talented in several areas. And it's, I think it's hard for them to sort out what they do best and, and how to, how to put all those pieces together. Yeah, I, I do you know, want to outline I know it's something. weird for you to talk about because we're talking about you being amazing at seven things. But I think you've got to agree that it's a real force in the in the creative process. Baseweight says right now in chat, this is him with genres of music. Well, yeah, Baseweight, it would be a whole lot easier if you played the lap steel in a country band. Your options would be somewhat limited uh, if if you, you know, played the dobro on every song. <laughs> no, it would it would probably cut out say, the rap genre from possibilities. Uh, you wouldn't have much of a classical music presence. Um, yeah, your options would be limited, and it would be a lot easier in that respect. But you might get a job as the lap steel guy for the people who need one. So, that, you know, there are certainly tremendous totally. benefits to, to that as well. I, I, I wanted yeah. to say real quick, as far as uh, the difference between doing the thing that you really like and doing the thing that the audience mm. really likes, that was completely... Uh, on the table with the those weird questions videos because like a, a question like can a toothbrush can a toothbrush can a toothpaste sandwich that's like a tongue twister can a toothpaste sandwich <laughs> brush your teeth I loved that question I thought that that was fascinating I loved the idea of taking such a stupid question way too seriously and actually learning about like how toothpaste works and how, how people have cleaned their teeth over the centuries. I like that. And that that's probably yeah. an example, Matt, of, of me being interested in too many things because mm. that does really interest me. And it turned out it didn't really interest a whole lot of other people. Like I Not was enough. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of shocked that that video didn't do very well uh, because to me it was like, just fascinating. Like, wow, I never thought about a toothpaste sandwich. And it turns out that if you do eat a toothpaste sandwich, there are elements of it that will brush your teeth depending on, you know, the bread is toasted or, or whatever. You have to watch the video to kind of get the full, you know, explanation. But nobody really wanted to know the answer to that question, I guess, except me well, and a handful of people. I think it's I think there's a little bit of nuance to that because I think that val or that video would have done extremely well on a different channel. But you're in this position where content can be good that subscribers to a channel are not expecting or not into in the same way. So there are a lot of channels that that do extremely well with videos like this toothpaste sandwich thing. I don't I don't know how much of that was uh, well, you know, this isn't as good a video topic as you thought it was versus it's not as good a video topic for the Vsauce 2 YouTube channel as you thought it was. And that mismatch is it's a very real thing to consider. And it's hard to know. It's hard to know what's what's too far with your audience. And this is an example way before our time. But the classic moment of somebody doing this is Bob Dylan going with an electric guitar. That was a, a momentous shift to the people who loved Bob Dylan uh, for his 
super easy folk music, you know, just acoustic storytelling type. Um, well, when he plugs in an electric guitar, everything changes there. Uh, is the, the audience along for that ride? Because an electric, uh, electric guitar is amazing for, you know, <laughs> the rock genre at that time. It's not like it was weird to people. It was weird to some people because Bob Dylan did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, he did okay. It, it didn't kill his career. Uh, it changed the trajectory a little bit. His music was a little, little bit different. He had some more options after that. Uh, but that was the big question is how does this fit with the people who are signed up to you to expect a certain thing? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think there are better ways to do the toothpaste sandwich idea. I think that I did a thing who we're having um, on the podcast in a few weeks could probably make a great toothpaste sandwich video where, you know, it's an experiment, essentially. He maybe eats toothpaste sandwiches for a month. I, I, I don't know what the experiment is. I'm not in the experiment guy. I'm not an engineer. But I could see that. I could see... You know, a Michael Reeves type mad scientist doing some kind of toothpaste sandwich video that everybody really likes and is very funny, um, but and can still hit, you know, whatever scientific elements are most interesting to people. But yeah, for me to just talk about that uh, didn't really work. So it, it turns out that going to the crime stuff is is working. The response to it you know, people don't really get to, see, they, they really don't get to see this at all <laughs> now that uh, dislikes are hidden and, and turned off. But when you put out a video as a YouTube creator on the back end, you can see uh, a likes to dislikes ratio. It's, it's one of the most prominent data points that they give you for essentially like the health of a video, how a video is doing. You have basically your the you know the view count and the likes dislikes ratio and you know uh, how many comments it has so anyway but 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 that's how they present it on the back end as a percentage rather than just it has like x amount of likes and 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 y amount of dislikes the likes dislikes ratio on the crime analysis videos are as high as any videos on Vsauce 2 so that was one of the first metrics that really screamed to me. And that, that started right out of the gate with the making a math murderer video, which is the story of Sally Clark. The likes, dislikes on that were over 99%, I think. Yeah, it's like 99.2. And I mean, a good video is going to be, well, good. I mean, a, a video that's well received by the people watching it is is probably going to be low 90s. Right. Which numerically like what is that uh i don't know of the 15 or 16 people who weigh in on a thing one of them dislikes that's that's a pretty good ratio but what you're talking about is one person out of 50 giving it a thumbs down mm -hmm. that's a pretty strong endorsement and that video did bang out i mean i remember the the opening day huh <sighs> yeah it was like 99.4 i'm like okay well even if the stats don't don't uh, go crazy on this, which they didn't at all. Mm -hmm. It's clear that the people who are watching this right now, uh, they do like what they're seeing. And that's that's important to to believe is true when you see one good number like likes ratio and then a number that really matters like views being not great. 
Yeah, but but you also just kind of, I mean, at least, you know, I certainly got this sense, and I know, I believe that you did as well, that even in those kind of early days of seeing, you know, the response, because it is a switch, you don't know how many people are going to like this sort of documentary style storytelling, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, math analysis strictly. Um, But there was a gut feeling like, I really believe in this. I feel like this will work over time and it's going to take time for, you know, people to drop off who aren't interested in it. It's going to take time for new people to come in who are unfamiliar with the channel or maybe wrote it off as something they weren't interested in in the past to say, Hey, I actually like what, you know, these videos are now. Yeah. But that's a process that you kind of have to feel almost intangibly that you're willing to ride out essentially. And it's been five, five of those videos now. And the fifth is it, one, is it five or six? I think it's five. Um, it, you know, Sally Clark, uh, Brandon Mayfield, Hetty Green, um, Joyce yeah. Ann Brown, and then, uh, the Collinses. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, the one that we're working on now will be the sixth. It'll be the yep. sixth. But it, ha- it wasn't until this fifth one, the most recent one where the algorithm kind of started to play nice with it. And now it's getting picked up and a lot of new people are coming in. So, and that's, that's about four months, right? Four, three, five. Yeah. Four or five months. There was, yeah. And there was a period of time. I mean, I'm thinking in a couple ways, like how long has that video been out? But there's a time where you made the decision to go in that direction. And then it's like, okay, well, we have a completely new process here. We have to figure out how to do this and then actually make that video. So the lead time on that first one was quite a bit longer than normal. Um, do you remember how you, how you settled on doing this type? Because I actually don't, I don't remember how, <laughs> like how you decided to pull the trigger on, on this genre. Well, I, I think that it was, I don't, I think it was something that you had been reading about and you suggested it to me and I had just gotten to the point with, like I said earlier, with the conceptual math videos where I had been getting frustrated essentially by the response to them because like, for, for example, uh, a video that I always wanted to make is explaining 50 that not everything is 50 50 <laughs> like uh yeah that's yeah. a video that i never ended up making but maybe still will that'll be your last that'll video. be my last that'll video be, it, when that video comes out that's when everybody will know vsauce 2 and kevin are done on youtube i'm over it because <laughs> yeah half of that video is is going to be just dropping a nuke on 10 years of comments. Just a, just a screed, just a screed about how probability works. But, oh man, uh, for there's so been so many probability videos, you know, that was like really kind of like the main thing for the last three years on Vsauce 2 was probability. And yeah. I just got so tired of people thinking that everything is 50, 50, it either, it either happens or it doesn't, it and therefore it doesn't. Yeah. it's 50-50. And, you know, I didn't have the time or the patience to try to explain why that's wrong as a, like a reply to a tweet or a comment. So I thought to it's myself, consuming. Yeah. you know, maybe this should be an entire video actually explaining why people think everything is 50-50, why it's not 
when everything is not always 50 50 uh what the difference is between uh like probabilistic uh outcome and results uh you know those are two different things that get conflated uh but yeah ultimately it was like what what can we do on vsauce 2 that's less confusing to people quite honestly and more of a story too story based as opposed to problem based well yeah i mean that that is Talking about people is something that I've always been interested in going back to mind blow and BDP. Like those were about people and people doing amazing things or things happening to people. And I kind of got away from that for a while, not really talking about people and just talking about concepts. So that's certainly another element of it that was nice and was attractive to me to be like, oh, okay, here's a story of a person who went through hardship because of misunderstanding. And definitely that was my frustration with probably years of misunderstanding had a lot to do with me being attracted to telling stories of misunderstandings, ruining people's lives. Yeah. With serious consequences, horrible consequences. So I think the Sally Clark one, I don't know where or how you came across her story, but you definitely told that to me. And said, you know, what do you think about this? And yeah. I was completely unfamiliar with that. I was, I was, was, and have been completely unfamiliar going into every one of these videos. So it's been just as interesting to me to learn about what has happened to these people as it is to, I'm sure, the people watching the videos for the first time. Most of most of the video topics and the ones that we're considering for the future, uh, I can't think of any that I would that I would describe as being in the public consciousness. Um, if they were, it was very brief. So like Brandon Mayfield getting tagged by the FBI for the uh, Madrid bombing. Um, it, yeah, that was hot for like one week in 2002 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that it was really on my radar then, for example, but then it's then it's not because it's it's news and news never stops and it's always new mm-hmm. it's, it's it's literally part of the word so it's constantly replaced by other things and it's got to be like oj level you know stupendous in terms of uh scale for it to stick out as as being a thing to most people and so a uh, terrible thing that happens to somebody like Sally Clark or Brandon Mayfield or whatever, you know, once it's resolved, you're like, wow, that, that was crazy. And then you really move on to the next thing. So going back and looking at the mechanisms of why those, those events played out the way they did, uh, that's, that's, that's a a cool way to play it. I mean, that's interesting stuff and it's fresh to everybody because again, they, you know, they're, they're not, um, you know, they're not familiar with a lot of these and there are so many of them. If if any of these video topics were like the one injustice that happened in a five year period, then yes, I'm I'm sure it would stick out. Uh, but it's constant. There's <laughs> there's there's unfortunately no shortage of nutty uh, trials and court cases and uh, convictions. Uh, just yeah. I, I mean, you could probably, if you had all the information, which it's tough to find because they're almost all local uh, to some degree, and you can't keep up with what's you know happening in Paducah, uh, 
If you had the info, though, <laughs> and a team of like 50 people. Where is Paducah? Yeah. <laughs> is that real? Is that <laughs> a real place? Yeah. It's, it's in the Midwest. Oh, okay. uh, I want to say Kansas or Kentucky. Oh, but, okay. Uh, yeah, Kentucky. All right. Good. I, I, I got it on the second try. Um, let's say you had a, a team of 50 people and they were just like tracking the news to find crazy injustices that somehow involved uh, numbers or logic, anything like that. I bet you could do five videos a week. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had the resources to do it, you, you could do 300 a year and not even touch all of them. Mm-hmm. So there's no shortage. Uh, they're good stories. They're compelling and they're important because as you point out in a couple of those videos, these things keep happening. Yeah. Even though we know exactly what the problem is, they keep happening and the odds are uh, like a math mistake, a statistical mistake presenting something as just being very different than what that mathematical reality actually indicates is almost certain to be happening this second somewhere in the U.S. Yeah. Like there's a courtroom right now that is getting bombarded with bullshit probability. (laughs) This is guaranteed to be happening this second. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I will also say real quickly that the other thing that interests me about learning about these cases is thinking about them differently than they're presented. Uh, the, uh, differently than they've been recorded or talked about before. Yes. So it's like, okay, yes, you read about this story, but let's put it in the context of uh, how about with like Hetty Green's uh, signature analysis? All right, th- that's that's what happened. These are the facts. Well, let's think about how hard it is to replicate your own signature. Is that an easy thing to do? Is it a hard thing? How hard is it? How easy is it? Let's do a little experiment and, 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 you know, run the numbers and, and look, um, that to me is really interesting because it's not just, oh yeah, here's this story and I'm going to retell it to you because you haven't heard it before. It's, you know, here's this story, but then let's also think about some aspect of it in under a new light or in a new way or play with it a little bit or yeah, bring in some kind of concepts that have been talked about in past Vsauce 2 videos, yes. you know, whether it's like the Einstein effect or um, mimetic culture. I, I don't know, whatever, whatever right, it right. is. Like there are a lot of concepts that have been detailed on Vsauce 2 that now get to be kind of pulled out of the back catalog and say, hey, you know, I talked about this five years ago. Here it is. This is it mm-hmm. in in reality. It's playing out right before your eyes. That thing that was a concept here it is, plain as day, and 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 what it did to people. That is actually really right. interesting to me too, because like nobody is talking about these stories and referencing Dunbar's number. Like that will never happen. No, no they aren't. It's impossible. But it can happen in That's these the videos. Yeah. It can happen in these videos because your approach is a lot different. And number two, you have a body of work that builds to it and nobody else can go back in time five years and make those videos like they have them or they don't. And they don't have them uh, because they were just doing different stuff then. So there's a a scaffolding aspect that you can get away with that would be tough for other people. But I want to point to a couple comments in the episode chat here because they're directly related to uh, what we're talking about. One of them is from Chinchilla. Uh, asking whether crime stuff is sustainable because YouTube is cracking down on that that kind of content. And he has a comment here. Uh, 
that oh, it's got 43,000 likes uh, saying flag videos violate violence and sensitive events guidelines of the YouTube ter- terms of service. Um, that makes a difference. In that very first video about Sally Clark, that got demonetized. And if I had to, or limited monetization, if I had to estimate how much AdSense revenue did not get made from that video, I would put it in terms of saying enough to make three more videos. That's how much Vsauce 2 missed out on because apparently YouTube gets skittish when you start talking about murdered babies. Apparently. They don't like that. No. Uh, and we had to play that game on the Brandon Mayfield thing because you're talking about this bombing that, that killed hundreds. It was terrible. Anybody who was around then and remembers the scenes from the, the train bombings in Spain, it, it's exactly what you would expect when bombs blow up on a train. It wasn't cool. No. So how horrific. do you adequately, yeah, it was terrible. How do you adequately describe the situation that this case revolves around while not getting completely destroyed because you do depend on that revenue to make the uh, the next videos? Like you have to have this revenue to keep making videos. Um I think we learned a lot from the first one about how to present different topics and have worked that in sense in such a way that we don't violate those guidelines. But that is really a tough, a tough thing, I think, in the crime genres, crime related genres, because there are several subgenres that YouTube people have a tough time with. How do you adequately describe certain crimes and and still not have your video flagged or, I mean, best case scenario of getting hit is still limited monetization. Oh, and Uh, the the limited monetization is basically no monetization. Like let's, let's be clear about that. When people talk about, Oh, it's not demonetized. It's limited. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's there's not ads running on it basically. And you know, when they are they're yeah, they're not uh, exactly lucrative ads. So, it's basically you're taking a loss on that video when that happens. <laughs> you just are you're taking like a literal financial loss. So, and yeah, you're yeah. right because how do you describe a thing without using the words required to describe it? That's right. Yes. Because that's what it comes down yeah. to is changing the words so that YouTube doesn't pick up those bad words that you're saying, yeah. which is like terrorism and you know, infant fatality or whatever got got us flagged on the Sally Clark one but yeah so far that's the only so one that has a, been flagged that's a tightrope though uh with this content it's part it's of the equation that, it's part of the equation it is and i'm sure there's going to be a topic that would be amazing to um to make a video about and it really can't happen we can't find a way there's there's actually one that i that i can think of that i can't even describe here because it would get this probably get this podcast flagged uh but generally no we can figure out a way on something um jeff says you guys are honestly the best well that's awesome to hear and people like uh like jeff who have been around for a while are going to see all the old videos they like in the new videos and the one that we're working on now relies pretty heavily on on some of the classics and that's something that that I like. I really like seeing. That might be my favorite part of this new uh, new track. Uh, Baseweight says as well, introducing concepts from previous videos. That being great. Well, that's you know that that's part of the game here. Is a video that existing subscribers who have stuck around for a while and like the content 
they get a nod that way. They get a reference. It's like, yeah, it was useful for you to watch in 2017. Here's how it's paying off for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it, it, uh, helps explain things to people seeing it for the first time. And that blend of hitting old people and new people is, it's really nice. It's really nice. And it's so much nicer than in previous years where it's, you know, sustaining uh, people who expect a certain thing. Like, no, no, no. You can do something really good and make two different kinds of people happy. Uh, and thankfully, there's a lot of content to draw from where we can match concepts to uh, videos, especially those ones, Kevin, that you put in hundreds of hours into reading about and making back in the day. Yeah, hundreds of hours into each one. Each one was about 600 hours. Uh, to make those. So yeah, it is nice to be able to reference those now and say, Hey, you know, I spent, uh, uh, 15 minutes in explaining the scapegoat mechanism, uh, to you. And here's why that's relevant in this case or, or whatever. Uh, that is, that's great. That's great for me. And it's also, I, I think it should be hopefully exciting to people who remember those videos or, Maybe they remember watching them, don't remember the information and are excited to kind of go back and rewatch them because there's some stuff in those videos that, that I don't remember very well because it's been so long. Well, I so I, you know, yeah. when we were talking about um, uh, like mimetic desire the other day, I was, right, you yeah. know, I had a cursory amount of knowledge about it because I researched it years ago and made that video about it, but I had to go back to really hear the exact phrasing and stuff that I used to describe it because that is very important. I mean, it spent part of the part of what took me so long with those videos was crafting every single sentence perfectly and running it by experts. And I mean, you know, the, the freaking video about Dunbar's number was vetted by Robin Dunbar. Right. He, yeah, the guy, he, he the knows. guy read the script <laughs> about his <laughs> concept and he approved it yep. literally. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of work on those and it continues to, to pay off with new angles on, on new content, you know, and it's, you know, we're not going to, uh, fully detail the next video that comes, but it's a subject that people have done very good sociology work on, uh, very complete work, uh, about, about a, a, a local phenomenon uh, and and we saw something else in it. We saw something in it that that we don't think other people have seen. It builds on all of their work, but it builds on the work in those past videos too and combines to be a mathematical look that has a, a hard human element and and comes out in in a way that I don't think people have put those thing those two things together in that way. So it's pretty exciting to see the old stuff come back in a new way that a completely new audience of people values. And that's what we're seeing. You know, the stats are up on my screen all the time so that we can see uh, what people like and what they're saying. Um, that reminds me, Moist Critical watching your videos was a fantastic thing. Oh, yeah. It, it was amazing. And I, people, I, I've seen people complain about this. Like I've known people whose videos he's watched and th you know, they're upset about it because he gets a quarter million views on a thing and nobody ever goes to watch their video. Well, that's valid to some degree, but what that got Vsauce to is a totally separate audience commenting in real time on a video. 
you can replay that and watch the episode chat or whatever they call it on YouTube, the YouTube chat, uh, and see what people are saying about it as Charlie watches it and comments. That, oh my God, it, do you know what a company would pay for a focus group of 5,000 people? <laughs> a, a lot of money. A lot like $10 of money. million. Dollars. Oh gosh, a lot of money. Yeah. So yes, you may have lost a little bit of AdSense on that happening, but you got a free $10 million focus group. Yeah. I it mean, was incredible to see that, to get that feedback. Oh God, it's amazing. So yeah, those new people looking at uh, this combination of stuff, uh, just, just amazing. It, it's the best. It's, it, it is so funny because it's one of those rare instances where it's like, hey, you got exposure though. You got paid in exposure. Oh. And- and I'm like, ah. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I, I love it. That was really cool to see. I was glad. I'm glad to get paid in exposure uh, by Charlie uh, because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, how many of those people would have clicked on the video? How many people know uh, that watch Seven. him watch Vsauce 2? <laughs> how many people that watch him have, Three. you know, a positive opinion of Vsauce 2? Who knows? Right. Uh, I would venture to guess it's it's pretty low so uh that was really exciting for me to see him him uh him watch that uh, all those videos i think he's watched all of them on stream so far all of the crime analysis ones and he as far as i know he wasn't watching the uh like the paradox and the math game videos on stream so that probably not kind of lends uh, you know a little more credence to kind of the argument that i think we're making earlier about making content that is more widely approachable and less alienating and kind of sucks people in for the right reasons. And then you can kind of talk about different concepts uh, throughout or mixed in or sprinkled in rather than it being a full conceptual video. Cause that, that was the thing when you were talking earlier, I was thinking, gosh, it's really been like five years of conceptual videos that are now like weirdly seeing a payoff in these story videos. That's significant to mention. I, I think so many things work this way with all creative slash art slash whatever. And I remember, like, I bet over a year ago, I talked about going to see a museum exhibit in 2001 about uh, industrial design. Brooks Stevens, this was in Milwaukee. He did a lot of work with Harley Davidson, Evan Rude boat motors and kitchen appliances and all the things that aesthetically defined the 1960s. Um well, over 15 years later, I ran into a, a situation where uh, somebody was looking for marketing, marketing help uh, for a project that was about classic trains. Well, I, I knew about uh, Brooke Stevens working on the, the, I think it was the Hiawatha train. I mean, I, I remember this specifically. I, you know, I made a good buck off that and had a great time doing it. Well, 15 years before, I never could have guessed that spending a couple hours at a museum exhibit would actually earn me real money down the line. Mm -hmm. But that's how this stuff works. You do things that you think are good, and then you just you just kind of relax and, and see how it plays out and see how you can use it. And maybe it shows up five years later like it has with your videos, and maybe it's 15, or maybe it never does. And then the worst thing that's happened is you had a nice time at a museum exhibit. <laughs> like yeah like what's the downside here yeah i i think that's our that's our big takeaway so yeah i i'm excited that people are interested in the new content i'm definitely really excited about it as well and i hope that this 
little discussion has sort of, you know, formed in your mind what I've been thinking about it, you know, the way that Matt has thought about it. And ultimately that I do think for the most part that we're now seeing, it's weird to say, but the fruits of the labor of all of those years of discussing concepts, now we're able to tell stories in which they play a major role. And that probably would have been impossible without doing that groundwork first. And it was an accident. This wasn't planned. This wasn't like, oh, yes, here is my five-year plan. Year one, <laughs> I will do a series of videos on human nature. Like, no, that's, you can't do, you somehow can't do that. Somehow Donald Trump just grew up on Staten Island. I, I was thinking I, don't know I was what? like one of the Kennedys. I was like some, yeah, some no. sort of like oh, that's even better. long lost Kennedy uh, from uh, Nantucket Morty is the name of that character. I was going to say from Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> Paducah, <laughs> Paducah, Kentucky, Kennedy. Oh my gosh! But but that's the other thing. There's no long term like f- like forecasting. It'll have a crystal ball. You do wow. stuff. You figure it out, and you adapt along the way. And um, be comfortable with that because that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Uh, speaking of works, we're out of here. I have work to do on this whole Vsauce two thing. Uh, thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. We will be back Tuesday for TCU's Days with Brendan Caulfield talking about <laughs> the music of Smiling Friends. And listen, you have homework. You have to watch all of Smiling Friends because there's going to be a lot of deep discussion. If you haven't already, uh, check it out. It's on Adult Swim. You can stream it on Adult Swim if you have some sort of cable provider. Um and I'm sure you can find other more nefarious ways of finding it. But ultimately, oh, no. it's also coming out on HBO Max in February. I don't. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know if that's public information or I just accidentally leaked that. But it, I think Ben mentioned it to me actually the other day. Did he? Okay. Um, yeah. So I think people know. Yeah. Yeah. So in February, you'll be able to watch it in all of its glory on HBO Max. But until then. Try to check out Smiling Friends because we have two weeks straight of Smiling Friends discussions and then a whole host of awesome guests after that. So uh, we're out of here. Thanks to all of our patrons. We'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% goes directly to keeping episodes going every week. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every month. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mafasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria, Marco, Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jeltsies, and Dan the Latch. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus and Trev's Dead, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, Monahem, Dojangles, and Zero. Again, you are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster and producer Dan Yosua. And thanks to Baseweight for use of the Created in the Unknown song for our opening theme, and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.